if you're here visiting with us today or you're here for the first time in a long time and looking for uh, to, uh, for us to connect and how we can uh, better serve you, the best way to do that is to go online to our website. It's mybethel.cc forward slash connect um, and you can fill out the connection card all we're asking for is a name and a, a phone number or an email a way to contact you so we can get in touch with you and see how we can better serve you if you're here in the building and not online uh, there's information on the seat back in front of you you can either scan the code with your camera or you can text the number uh, and we'll get in contact with you this week and see how we can uh, better serve you I have a question for you this morning, and that is, when you return something to the store, what's the first thing that you do? I walk out and I check my bank account online, see if it got there yet. Yeah, and they always tell you it'll be there within 48 hours. And so over the next couple of days, you end up uh, checking your bank account, making sure that it goes back in there, right? How many of you guys do that? When you return something, you're like, you diligently check your bank account, you hit refresh, and you log out of your bank app, and then log back in and be like, surely it should be in there by now, right? But you you expect that there would be, that they would be good on their promise, right? I return the goods that I purchased, and they promised that they would put the money back into my bank account where it belongs, because I no longer have that item. And so, um, this morning, we're going to be talking about the return of Jesus. We're going to be talking about the hope that we have because Jesus has promised to return and to save us and to res rescue us and to give us eternal life. Um, and so uh, let's go ahead and get started. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Um, check out this bumper and we will get started uh, with the return of Jesus. Morning, Bethel. How we doing? Good to see you guys this morning. I got to clear up some stuff about the flower because Pastor Ruben says that I started it. I might have finished it, but I don't know if I started it. Here's what's interesting about the third shift. We had three shifts, and so there was like first shift, second shift, third shift. There was no time to really think about anything, and all three pastors were on the third shift, and it was nothing but chaos. I mean, what does that tell you? Oh, Grace. Oh, yeah. Huh. Grace. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I simply was telling Pastor Ruben that you're going to get flour on you because he came in third shift. And I was like, just own it because you're going to have flour all over you by the end. He goes, no, I'm not. And I said, just look. And I had flour everywhere. And he goes, no, I'm not going to have any flour on me. So I said, yes, you will. And I went like this and I just patted his pants. And that was it. And then I have a picture and I should have I should have put that picture up. But Pastor Ruben has a bag of flour and he's running towards me like this with a bag of flour. And I'm like, um, that's a little different than a hand pat of flour, I think. I don't know. He was like, no, because in God's eyes, sin is sin. That's what he said. Oh, no, <laughs> no, he didn't say that. <laughs> I just made that up. So. Um, but this morning, we are in uh, Philippians chapter 4. I've got a couple housekeeping things to, get to go over real quick before we, uh, before we jump into it. Uh, first thing is we have a group of people that are going to go through our Bethel Connect right after this service. And uh, we have 20 uh, first-time uh, Bethel Connectors this morning. And so that's a thing to celebrate. If you want to give them a round of applause. It's always exciting uh, to have new people come to our church and to check out Bethel, um, to see that uh, we're just regular people who like to have fun, maybe sometimes too much fun, but we like to have fun, 
and uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we're, we're excited about having this, this time after the service um, with Bethel Connect. So if you see after the service and we kind of shut down the lobby and ask you to hang out in the auditorium or head out the side door, don't get offended. Uh, we're just getting ready for Bethel Connect, all right? So that's uh, in the service right after, right after this. The other thing I was going to mention real quick, um, here at Bethel, is if you've noticed, uh, we don't pass an offering plate during the service. Uh, we have offering boxes around the building a couple years ago we decided to shift things and change things up and leave that up to each individual whether they give or don't give and what I want to encourage you this morning is if you've gone without giving and maybe you've forgotten or maybe you it's just one of those things that's not in your mind that's fine um, we have a reoccurring thing that you can do online you can do a reoccurring donation and that helps us to budget um, as our church is growing uh, there's more expectations responsibilities and more opportunities to get involved in uh, we'll talk about those in a couple weeks but um, I just want to encourage you to uh, be giving and as you partner with us and your finances. Uh, God is going to do something great here, but God has been really good uh, to Bethel throughout 2020, um, starting 2021, and uh, it's always hard to know what's going to happen, and every week we're just like, okay, God, you have this, and he always comes through, uh, but I wanted to encourage you today to remember uh, Bethel and your giving. Um, this morning we're in chapter 4 of Philippians, and I want to I want to jump into this, and we're going to spend some time talking about the return of Jesus, because the return of Jesus is something that can either bring extreme terror or fear or comfort, and I want to lean towards the comfort, because Jesus said he will come again. When I was a young person, I got wrapped up in the book of Revelation. I'm actually reading it to my daughter right now, and there's some fantastical things in there. If you've ever read it, it's kind of like, uh, what's happening right here? Um, I feel like uh, John was on some trip that I don't know if I want to be a part of, and it's just an interesting book when you look at it and all the beasts and all the wrath and all the bowls and all the stuff, and I think we can get distracted in all that, and we can get distracted in the, in the, the message of Revelation and forget that that is, a, that is something that God has put in the book to realize that he has control, and he has control over us. Um, over our situation. And when I was a kid, I was always praying as a teenager, I was praying that God would deliver me from the suffering, from the scary stuff, you know, the beast that's in the water and in the land. And I just don't want to see that, that beast. And as I got older though, and I began dating and I began uh, being, getting a career and working, I was like, hey God, um, uh, I'm not, just wait, don't come back yet because I need to get married and I want to have a family and my, I want my job to come through. And then the longer time has gone on, the more my prayer has shifted from take me out of this to uh, just hold off, just hold off, don't come back yet. Today I want to encourage us that we're going to actually need to think about our mortality. We're going to have to think about um, what's coming but it should bring us peace and it should bring us comfort and it should bring us joy. We have a tendency to be so focused on life and life gets in our way that we totally ignore our mortality. And this is mainly men under 25. We end up doing stupid things. I was talking to uh, uh, Officer Fairchild out there about skydiving. And I did that once, and I won't ever do it again. But there's other people that are like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that multiple times. And I'm like, no, I mean, you... I really can't remember doing it. I did it. But if it wasn't for the video, you could convince me I didn't do it <laughs> because your brain like shuts it off. It's a mortality thing. You're standing there going, I'm an idiot. I signed up for this, paid for it, <laughs> and I'm going to jump out. Well, young people have a tendency to forget or, or not realize that life is precious. But the day I got married, I'll tell you this, the day I got married, it all made sense to me like, oh, I could die. And I don't want to die yet. And so I became more cautious with life. Um, I began taking less risks. And then when I had children, even more so, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't leave them behind. Um, I can't leave my kids without a dad. And so beginning to think through 
uh, mortality, Paul actually talks about Jesus' return in every single letter that he wrote. Every single letter, he mentions the return of Jesus as a thing of hope. So Paul encourages his readers not to be so busy looking down at life to forget to look up. Because we need to look up and see that Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. We have a tendency to get wrapped up in life and forget that Jesus is coming. And we begin to forget one another, and we forget what we're supposed to be about until Jesus comes back. If you think about this last week, this last week was very full of different activities. Pastor Ruben and I were up in the loft trying to get some things ready, uh, but we also had work, and then there was this thing on the NFL. There's a draft, and I'm sure some of you got distracted with that, and then there's this sickness, and then there's a date maybe with someone that you're interested in, possibly school or tests or errands, uh, living life, and I bet you we went the whole week just stressed out about all different things and didn't even give it a second thought, oh, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. It happens to me too. I was thinking about, oh man, I'm so tired. Yesterday was a lot of fun serving the community. But why did we serve the community? Why? Because we believe Jesus is coming soon. So we're serving so that we can bring people's attention to Jesus. Don't forget to look up. And that's what Paul is saying. In the busyness of life, don't forget to look up. Don't forget to realize that there's more to life than just living this life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He starts there. Last week we talked about disagreements, settling disagreements, and this week he kind of continues a thought about joy. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now, if you've been tracking alignment, the Philippian series, we, this is the fifth time Paul has said rejoice, the fifth time in a small book. Starting in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, now in chapter 4, he's reminding us once again to rejoice, to have joy. I wonder why, to a group of people that he loved, he kept telling them to rejoice. I think it's because our tendency is to get so bogged down with life that we forget that we can be happy, we can have a celebration, we can enjoy the goodness of God. And then he says in verse 5, he says, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So in a world that is so focused on the negative, Paul tells us to rejoice. God is good. Jesus has connected us, who is spiritually disconnected from the Father. He's connected us to the Father. We have purpose because of Jesus. He has given us a divine purpose. We also can rejoice in the goodness of God. It's like a continual feasting on the goodness of God. Now, if you think about it, it's our right and our calling to feast on God's goodness and to remind each other of God's goodness And if we don't take advantage of it, it's our own fault. It's our own fault if we don't see the positive and we don't see the good about God that he has brought us to where we are. It's all in his goodness. I was talking to Jared here at the church this last week and thinking about how um, we look at the Christian life as a feast and how when most of the time I describe it as like a, a feasting table and all of us come up to the window and we look through the window and we see the table set and all the, the food prepared and we can see in Psalm 23 that he has prepared a place for us, a, a table for us to feast. And most of us are sitting at the window looking inside. We can smell the activity. We can smell the pastry. We can smell the, the meat. But we never walk inside and sit at the feast. And we never walk inside and enjoy the feast that Jesus has prepared for us. But when I was talking to Jared this week, I was like, you know what actually happened is that Jesus picked up the feast and he brought it outside to us. We don't even have to go in because he has done it all. He's paid it all. And he's invited us into the feast in the goodness of God. So last week, Paul just talked to two women and he said, please settle your disagreements. He's basically saying right now that life is short. 
that we need to be about enjoying God's goodness and realize that Jesus is coming soon and we shouldn't be spending so much time arguing and bickering with one another. It's almost like, hey, Jesus is coming back. Let him catch you doing good. Let him catch you doing good. Don't let him catch you fighting and arguing and bickering and cutting one another down and destroying one another. Uh, Last week, my dad kind of opened up this conversation about me and my brother as teenagers. And uh, if you were here last week, he mentioned that we would fight and break things and and uh, we weren't always the best-behaved kids. And this morning, he learned in the first service that there was a little more to the story than he knew. And uh, my brother and I, every time my parents would leave, we knew they were leaving for a certain amount of time, and we would just fight, and we would wrestle, and we'd punch each other. We'd get our BB guns out and shoot each other. I didn't say that. (laughs) And rubber bands, and I mean, it was a major fight. But we knew Mom and Dad were coming back, and we knew the time, And we would make sure everything was settled and everything was put back in its place. Everything was fixed. If we broke anything, that we'd super glue it together, whatever it was, so that when mom and dad came back home, they didn't know what would happen. One time, we got a little out of hand and we broke a window. Our front door was all these window squares and we broke one of them. And I was like, oh crap, can't fix that. What are we going to do? So we picked up all the pieces. We lived in Central America, so we picked up all the pieces We got on the bus, public transportation. We went to a glass shop. We had a measurement. We said, hey, would you cut this same glass out and give us this exact measurement? He did it. We went back on the bus, got back home. We fixed the window. And when when my parents came home, they had no idea. (laughs) This morning, they found out. That was 30 years ago. (laughs) We were trying to get ready because mom and dad were going to come back, and we didn't want to get caught doing bad, right? Confessions of a pastor. I'm telling you this today because it's just in the same way Jesus is coming back. And we're so anxious with one another and so fighting with one another. We're destroying things. And he's giving us some time to make things right. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. He's given us a a bond of love that we can look on one another and we can love one another. We can lead one another to love and good works. We can also lead and love one another to find and then follow Jesus. He's coming back and he's giving us time to make things right. Now, I want to stop in this verse today because I want us to talk about our hope in his return because he's promised that he's going to come back. It's not something that's like, oh, he said it and he's never going to do it. No, he actually has promised that he's going to come back and we can count on his promises because he is faithful and true. If we can trust him with our soul for eternity, we can trust him to come back and take us home to be with him for eternity. He said he would come back in person, in the flesh. It's not some mystical thing. It's actually something that he's going to do. I want us to read in Acts chapter 1. We, in, the, in the study of Philippians, we've stayed in Philippians the whole time, but I want to jump out a little bit today to talk about the hope that we have in the return of Jesus. Um, Acts chapter 1, the apostles had been with Jesus for three and a half years, and they had been walking with him. They saw him do miracles. They saw him um, heal people. They saw him die. They saw him buried, and then they saw him risen, and he's with them, and they're just amazed by, okay, he is God. He is God. We can trust him. So in verse 6, let's pick it up in verse 6 in Acts. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, Has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So think about this. After three and a half years, they still misunderstood why Jesus came. Jesus came to fulfill the law, and he came to establish a kingdom in our hearts, to draw our hearts and to free our hearts from the bondage of sin. 
and to establish his kingdom, not a physical earthly kingdom, but a kingdom in our hearts. And so his disciples, after all this time, still didn't get it. So he replied, verse 7, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. He said, trust God. Now, as a dad, I I've, I've say things now that I never thought I would say. One of them is, because I said so. Any other parents ever said that? Now, I heard that growing up, and I was like, I'm never saying that. That's stupid. And then, why, Dad? Because I said so. That's it. Enough said. But, Dad, because I said so. <laughs> I don't need to explain it to you. And that's what the father is saying to us. He's like, hey, I mean, I've set the time. We don't need to worry about that. That's not your thing. Thank goodness it's not my thing, but it's not my thing. So he said it. Verse 8. But, here's what he did leave, you will receive power. That's that dynamite, dunamis power, explosive power. It says you'll receive it when the Holy Spirit comes on you, upon you. First time in history that the Holy Spirit actually was here to stay at the uh, day of Pentecost when he came. It says right here, and you will be my witnesses. You'll tell about the good news, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. One of the things that we're about is telling people here, near, and far. We're telling them about that Jesus came and he lived a life for us. Verse 9, after saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching. They could no longer see him. They strained to see him rising into heaven. Have you ever done that? You like look at a plane or you look at a bird or you look at something and you're straining and it's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. When I was a kid, we used to have family come visit us in Costa Rica and it was a sad day when we took them back to the airport. But at the airport, there was a chain link fence right by the runway and we would g- let them off in, the, in the, uh, the check-in and then we'd go sit in our car by the chain link fence. And we couldn't see them, but we wanted to see their plane take off. And so we'd wait for them to board, and the plane would come down the runway, and then they would take off. And then we'd sit there until we couldn't see it anymore. Why? Because in our hearts, we'd missed them. In our hearts, we wanted them to come back, turn around and come back, and so we were straining to see them. And that's what the disciples, you've got to put the weight of this on here, is where they saw Jesus rise, and he disappears, and they're straining. They're trying to see if they can figure it out and see if they can see him. And these two men, white men, white-robed men appeared. Uh, verse 11, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken up from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven the same way you saw him go. So he will return. This is the promise of the Father. This is the promise of Jesus that he is coming back, and there is no doubt. While we wait, he's left us a mission, and it's that whole mission of one another's. One another's. Throughout Scripture, we see one another's. Love one another. Carry one another's burdens. Be about serving one another. It's all about the one another's. We need to be multi-focused. We don't need to just focus on down here on earth and what we're doing here, but we need to be focused on heaven as well. So multi-focused, if you drive a car, you're already used to doing this. You look at your mirror here and your mirror there and your mirror up here and you look over here. You're used to being multi-focused as you're going through life. That's what life is about. And Jesus is asking us not to just stare up in the sky waiting for Jesus to come to be no earthly good, but he's also telling us not to stare at the ground and all be all about our daily grind. He says it's about both. It's looking up and looking down. Verse 5 says, let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. This word considerate, you can circle it or you can highlight it there in your, in your, your Bibles. It's actually a Greek word that refers to restraint, like gentleness, like a restraint of passions and appetite. And so when we know Jesus, he says to be considerate in all that you do. So it's a, 
it's a uh, priority or a, or a gentleness, a mildness. There's other versions that say moderation. It's so that we don't indulge in the excess of passions and dress and eating and drinking, that we were supposed to govern our appetites, kind of like a vehicle has a governor on it. When we have Jesus in our lives, a lot of people are like, oh, this is no fun. I, I have no fun. It's actually when I learned as I was getting older, my brother and I, the older we got, the more we realized that if we weren't fighting when mom and dad were away, it wouldn't be so stressful when the time was for him to come back. And our lives were full of peace. We actually enjoyed it because we didn't have to repair anything, didn't have to clean anything, didn't have to fix anything because we were at rest because we knew we were doing the right thing. And what he's telling us here is be considerate in all that you do. Instead of being, seeing this as like a big brother situation where God's always looking over your shoulders, we should see it as a preparation for his coming. When I think about my interactions with other believers and the world around me, it needs to be one of yielding and one of pulling back the throttle. There's so much more to life than just getting my way. So why do, why do Christians hope in the second coming of Christ? I mean, why is this such a big deal? As we read through Scripture from the beginning all the way to the end, we see this idea of eternity and this idea of wanting to continue to explore and dominate the, the world and the universe. So if you think about our world now, almost every edge of the earth has been explored. If we think about the ocean, there's some areas down there that are, haven't been explored, and now we're launching off into space to try to explore other planets. We're trying to explore our universe. And why do you think humanity has in its heart to continue to explore? I really think we're looking for a place to belong in the universe. We're looking for something that will be eternally significant so that you and I can actually have a place of, of something greater and something of a belonging. If you look in Genesis, in the, in the first book of, the, of Scripture, we see that God planted a garden. And this garden was a garden of perfection. He took man and woman, he put them in the garden. It was a place of perfection, a place of extreme beauty. It was this place where God actually walked and talked with man and woman. But man and woman decided they didn't want to be in that garden. They wanted to explore something else, and so they were removed from the garden. And from that day until now, humanity has been searching for an eternal home, has been searching for something that is beautiful and something that is peaceful and something that, that, that would help us belong. And if you think about Scripture and you keep reading through Scripture, it's like God chose Abraham and he said, I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. And he said, I'm going to take you to this land. And it took generations for this group of people to make it to the promised land. And then they were in and out of the promised land. And if you fast forward all the way to the New Testament, you see that Jesus came when the Romans were dominating the Jewish people and, and people were looking for a land or a kingdom or a place to belong. And Jesus said, listen, I'm actually going to prepare that place, and then I'm going to take you to be with me. A new heaven and a new earth. It's something that goes right along with the longing and the desires of our hearts. He came and promised this eternal land that would far outmatch the land promised to the descendants of Abraham. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is what keeps us going in this present life. Jesus is the one that will keep his promises. Jesus is the one that will return and take us to the promised land. And there's something interesting that happens when we're in a family of believers. When we're in a community of believers and we experience the presence of God, we get a tiny glimpse of what eternity is going to be like. We get a glimpse of what it means to be unified and to be uh, glorified and to have the presence of God. We get this little tiny glimpse and then we mess it up. And then we get another glimpse and then we mess it up. This is when Jesus will come eventually and he will take us to be in our eternal home. Here's the biggest problem that we all face. As we face the decay of our souls. 
We've tried to cover up our lostness with masks. We've tried to be distracted with careers and things that will get our attention, exploration. And we hide so that no one really sees the decay that's happening inside in our souls. A friend of mine from college wrote, this, wrote, a, wrote a book, and it's, he said this in this book, we might look fine on the outside, but on the inside something is wrong. We know it. One day our bodies will catch up with a sad state of our souls. We are all dying. We're all going to experience death. And eventually our bodies are going to catch up to our soul, where our soul is dead and disconnected from God. Here's the hope of Jesus. The hope of Jesus is that he took our decayed and broken souls and he breathed new life in them, and he connected them to the Father. So you and I eternally are made whole. You and I eternally every day are dying, but our souls are made whole in him. He has connected our spiritually disconnected souls to the Father. We have hope that this is not all there is because Jesus came and showed us the way. He says, let's be considerate. Let's not forget who we belong to. Let's not forget that he's coming. Let's not forget that he is taking us to an eternal promised land. So it says the Lord is coming soon at the end of this verse, and it's like, okay, soon, what does that mean? I want to talk about that for a second, because the word soon can be misunderstood. Many of us think about time, right? Time. Have you ever planned a trip to Disney World or theme park or Six Flags or a vacation? Something Christy and I did psychologically is we put a vacation on the calendar. Like, doesn't matter how far away it is, but we put it on the calendar because in our heads, oh, we're going to be going on that trip soon, Right? And it's just out there, so kids say, hey, when are we going to get to go see Mickey? Soon. It's like months away. But we tell our kids soon, right? Because it's going to be soon. Because eventually, time will run out and we'll be there. So when is mom and dad coming home? Soon. When are we going to be able to experience that life? Soon. Actually, in the scheme of things, it is very, very quick that it happens. Jesus left this earth 2,000 years ago. But we see in Second uh, Peter that for God, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. So does that mean God, that Jesus left two days ago? Think about it. He just left. When's he coming back? Soon. When is he going to return for us? Soon. It's not a time thing. It's not a 24-hour thing. It's a, it's a nearness thing. In Titus chapter 2, verse 12, it says, We should live in this evil, evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. So this is the throttle, the consideration. And then it says, While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Paul actually experienced the nearness and the soonness and the closeness of God when he, was, when he was on his way to the road to Damascus, and Jesus appeared to him. The disciples had experienced the nearness and the, the, the soon of God when he rose from the dead and he appeared to them. Paul is actually trying to bring back to the forefront of the mind of the listener that not everything we see is all there is. There's something happening in the cosmos, a spiritual reality, a spiritual, uh, dis, uh, a spiritual realm, an alternate dimension of goodness that we cannot see. We cannot see it with our eyes. And actually today it's very popular conversations about string theory and about alternate universes. And there's an there's a, a, a alternate universe where I'm living another life. And actually I think the alternate universe is real. Jesus is near and we don't even realize it how near he is. Because if he would take the blinders off our eyes, we would see that he is not far. He is never far. He is near and he is soon. He's making himself, he soon will make himself visible to all. Many people think this is a time that is terrifying. But actually, this is a time that should be, bring incredible joy. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says this, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after this comes the judgment, 
so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. So he'll come again, but get this, not to deal with our sins. That's already been done. That finished, that's finished on the cross. But to bring salvation to all those who eagerly wait, wait for him. So, so the sin and the judgment has been dealt with on the cross. He's not coming to deal with our sin. He's actually coming to bring the salvation and the freedom that he's promised. He is coming. He is coming. He's bringing our new home, bringing us to our new home as we eagerly await for him. And here's my consideration this morning. As we're considerate, as we're pulling back the throttle, as we're trying to be considerate in the one another's, as we're working through the, our daily lives, we don't need to forget to look up. Don't forget to look up. God deals with us vertically as we deal with others horizontally. Don't forget to look up. Let's pray. God, as we think about all that you've done, and we think about the promises that you've made, one of them is you'll be with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. And then you tell us that you're coming back soon. And God, an eternal being that's outside of time and space, it's sometimes hard for us to depend on your promises, but all we need to do is to celebrate your goodness, to feast on your goodness. God, this morning I pray that you would draw our hearts to you and remind us to look up as we're going about our lives, to remind us that you are the source of goodness. And we can either think of the negative or think of the positive. We can be, either be filled with anxiety or filled with your peace. And so this morning, God, as I think about you coming, you returning, you bringing your presence and taking us to our eternal home, something of extreme joy, not of fear. God, this morning, draw us close. Fill us with your presence. And God, may we submit and yield our lives to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. There's an old hymn that says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. He washed me. So when we're walking through life and we think about him coming soon, why should we be anticipating and expecting it? He's already dealt with my sin. Now he's going to come to bring salvation. And that's the day I'm looking forward to, and I pray that you are too. And if you're not, this morning he's calling you into a relationship with him. He's taking that decayed soul, and he's wanting to breathe life into it. And all you got to do is say yes. All you got to do is say yes, and then run to the Father, because he's got his arms spread out, and he's waiting for you to say yes. Would you stand this morning and let's sing together, Run to the Father. Man, that's awesome. Great song. Our redemption, our salvation is only found in him. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about as you, um, as you were speaking, and you, taught, you mentioned several times a throttle, and yeah. it brought to my mind um, a governor. My, uh, yeah. my in-laws, Jordan's parents, have a little, little four-wheeler um, out at their property in Michigan. And whenever we go up there, the kids love driving right. it around. But you get nervous because the first time Cage <laughs> drove it, he like rode it into the side of the house. And so there's this little knob on the throttle to, to where it can't go in so far. Uh, and so he adjusted that so he wasn't going so fast. And I jumped on it at later in the day. And have you ever been on something with a governor? It's like almost like this subconscious. You're like, 
faster, faster. Come on, yeah, like yeah, you're kind of yeah, moving it along. Yeah. I, I found myself standing up and like kind of pushing the handlebars with the, <laughs> you know, with the with my thighs, trying to get it to go faster. And I think some of us, uh, that's kind of our mentality when it comes to the return of Jesus. And he, I, I think of those disciples in yeah. uh, in Acts, uh, that passage that you wrote. He's like, so so does this mean that the kingdom's come? Like your return, it. this yeah. is it, you know. And so, uh, but I think of the reason for a governor is that. Um, you know, it's to maybe maybe slow us down. It's to maybe protect us from some, something that we don't see or that we don't anticipate. So no matter where you find yourself on the spectrum of, of Jesus returning, if you're waiting with eager expectation of like, man, I'm just ready to, to be with Jesus. Or maybe you're on the other side of it and saying, like you, like you said, you know, you're getting married. You're like, ah, let's hold off just a little bit. Um, Jesus and, and God the father is the only one who has control of that that yeah. governor to say yeah. you know what there's still work that needs to be done there's and for us there's a community that still needs to be reached there's people that are uh, in our surrounding area that still need Jesus so the salvation that we just sang about the salvation the yeah. hope uh, the rescue and redemption uh, that he offers when I think about the throttle to kind of continue with that thought is like sometimes we do need to slow down because we want we want other people to be going as fast as we're going, and sometimes we need to slow down and let God work through people's lives. Yeah. Um, one of the tendencies Christians have is to have expectations of people that are either just getting started or someone that's not a believer to expect them to be where we are. Yeah, and we actually true. need to hold back and have some constraint so that the Holy Spirit can work on those people's lives. Because when he works, man, the, the, it's eternal work. When I work, it's my work, and that's going to fall apart. Well, and when you work or when I work or w when any of us try to do the work, right, where they're tied, they're, right. they're tethered to, to us, and, and if something happens to us, God forbid that we, you know, we leave this earth or, you know, we, we move uh, locations or whatever. So whether right. it's geographical or whether it's, you know, health-related or whatnot, um, the reality is we're, we're mortal people and if they're if people are tied to us then they're they're tied to something that ultimately has no hope and right. if we tie them to him and allow the spirit to do the work um then then they're tied to him and that's it that's and he's thing. coming back and we can encourage one another with that because yeah. he's he's coming soon and if we can lock arms and actually be unified uh, i want when jesus comes back i want him to find us unified loving and leading one another yeah. i want us to continue that mission because that's what he's called us to do um, i don't want him to find us fighting with each other so let's yeah. be unified let's get over some of the things in the past and let's be unified very cool. And so as you live, as you said in the message, multifocally this week, if that's even a word, I think I just invented a word. You did. But yes. if, you think, if you think about that, you know, Paul encourages us to look up as we're, as we're living. Sorry, life. speaking of making up words. So I made up a word yesterday accidentally. Mary called it out. Uh -oh. um, so I Mary's said we good. had a blast, but I actually said we had a blessed. Oh. And she goes, blessed plus blast equals blessed. B-L-E-S-T. Anyway, nice. <laughs> right, so, so anyway I fixed it. So it says blast, here. but anyway, <laughs> we had a blast yesterday. It was intentional. You did it was it on, per purpose. on purpose. You, know, you, knew, you I mean, knew what you were doing. Something right? told me yeah, to do it. The spirit led you that way. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. So if you as you live multifocally this week, that's a word. I'm telling yes. you. Put it in your dictionary. Look it up. Download it. Download Look it, up. it to your brain. Yeah. And so if you're gathered with uh, people this week, uh, we want you to remember, don't lose sight of what really matters. And that's yeah. what Paul says at the beginning. So as you live this life, make sure you continue to look up and uh, live eternally minded. Um, and and uh, just don't forget here at Bethel, we live or we exist to love and lead one another, to find and follow Jesus. And uh, we're praying for you that you do that this week. So love, love you, guys. you guys. Have a, Have great a good week. week.